welcome back to everyone to another episode of Inspired by the Wild. I'm your host, Amelia, and my co-host, Shanna. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are both feeling this uh, kind of sleepy, daydreamy Pisces new moon. And, um, you know, I was just thinking when we were talking how uh, rather delightful that placement can be because of daydreaming about new beginnings. Mm-hmm. And so ourselves again back to the beginning with mm-hmm. this monthly cycle and to pick up on something that Shanna and I really started to get excited about and we felt like we just had actually a lot more to say about it um mm-hmm. uh the the I guess the hero's journey is yeah. one way to put it uh there's a lot of different ways to discuss this uh this traverse from the new moon starting in one planet and ending up in its opposite. So I want to have Shanna elaborate a little bit more on that because I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this natural (laughs) rhythm. I just think it's incredible and I want to understand it like through and through. Yeah. So it's, um, well, and what I think maybe I like, yeah, I think it requires a little clarity because I'm, I'm really a visual person. And so I know that when I'm describing things, I'm picturing them in my head, but that doesn't mean that anybody else is seeing the same picture. So, um, so here's what it is. All right. So when the sun is in any of the signs, as it has been in Pisces, the two moons that happen in that season, the full moon and the new moon have a really interesting relationship with the sun. So when it's Pisces season, meaning when the sun is in Pisces, the full moon will be in Pisces opposite sign, which is Virgo. So we had that full moon that kind of kicked off the season that was in Pisces opposite. So, you know, what do you usually think of with full moons, Amelia? Like, what is that? What do I Oh, what yeah. do I think? Of? Well, yeah. and it's, I mean, you know, I love this question. Thank you. <laughs> because um, my moon sign is actually in cancer, which cancer's planetary ruler is the moon. Mm-hmm. And so some would say that makes me particularly moony. And I, I, I again, I, I sometimes forget that not everybody is experiencing this the same way. Mm-hmm. But for me, the moon feels, the full moon feels like that is when there's gravity for everything that I want to do. Like I, if I forget to check the calendar and I I've forgotten where we're at in the month, I will Mm -hmm. start to notice that the moon is getting full because of um, little things like I could drop something and then catch it in midair with my left hand without even looking over. (laughs) And I mean, it's, it's completely like, I can't take credit for those kinds of actions when the the moon is, is new. In fact, that's when I start to feel like right now is mm-hmm. I get the dropsies. I don't feel particularly motivated or energetic <laughs> or creative. I just don't feel like there's gravity behind much of anything that I'm doing. So I try to keep it pretty, pretty even keel and low to the mm-hmm. ground. I try not to expect a lot of myself. Um, but I believe that other people experience that differently. Sure. So I mean, yeah, if that kind of, if that answers yeah. your question. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is that for you, it's kind of like a time of in, intensity and maybe even like increased, I don't know, like sight or um, connection or intuition. Does that sound right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's just a time of intense everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, you can yeah. also feel, I feel the tension in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel the, te- you know, even like the excitement um, in, I think like animals, you know, there's a lot of different, like, just because I am sitting here looking at the beach right now, coral mm-hmm. is the first thing that comes to mind, but you know, that's when they release their spores right. on the full moon. Oh. And so, yes, there's so many of earthly cycles and rhythms and creatures that respond to the full moon. I mean, even, you know, my mom, who's a nurse practitioner will tell you that so many babies are born. Yeah. Lots of babies are born on the full moon. Well, I mean, it is you. just a really cool. <laughs> yes. Yes. Me too. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. I am proud of that. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, even like when we talk about like the tension, um, ER doctors will tell you that the emergency rooms are yeah. particularly Oh, and when I was teaching, yeah, classrooms were insane. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I would occasionally, I remember being in a class once and being like, you know, I feel like you've all turned into little werewolves. Can we just do one group howl and get this over with, please? And they were like fully into it. They were like, 
<laughs> I was just thinking because wolves howling at the moon. I love that. And, you know, there's, I mean, that almost could be like a whole podcast right there. It's just all of the different things that happen naturally in that, oh. that how much depends on the rhythm of the moon so that we know when to do these things. It's, yeah, it's yeah. You know, pretty magnanimous. Right. And so that's what I, so that for me kind of encapsulates what I think it means that the full moon is always in the opposite sign of where the sun is, because you get that kind of like tension and that increased kind of energy of things rubbing together, right? Like you rub rocks together to start fires. Well, I mean, you can, I don't do it that way, but you know, I believe in you. And then, and then on the other end of things, like, I don't know about you, but when it's new moon time, like even just the waning, you know, week or so, a couple of weeks after the, the full moon, I tend to feel like, yeah, I mean, not even just when it's in Pisces, I'm just kind of like sleepier and a little bit more inward. Like I just feel more yeah. pulled, pulled to the quiet and pulled inward. And that's when the moon is in the same sign as the sun, which I would say is like, you know, kind of a comfortable, you know, connection, right? They're conjunct. So that's the, I mean, they, I suppose we could give a little bit, we could continue to go into detail with that. But I just find that connection between sun and moon through those two specific points in the cycle really interesting um having this conversation i think that's the best for me that's the best that you've described it so far Hmm. and um i I am just so tickled i I mean i'm gonna be this is just so fascinating to me i think it might actually help me understand mathematics in a different way (laughs) well Um, yay i'm just hold on everyone if you can't hear me i'm patting myself on the back (laughs) (laughs) that would be such a triumph you know um to really start to see math um you know illustrated like that in our natural universe but the other thing that i think is also really cyclical and to talk about you know women's connection with the moon something that we haven't really maybe necessarily talked about very much but Mm -hmm. again Coming back to, I have a women's health nurse practitioner for a mother. And Mm so sometimes, you know, these metaphors that I'm getting are just, you know, right out of her uh, textbook lore. Mm -hmm. And this description of, you know, the moon, uh, I don't, I I say ripening, I mean, for lack of a better word, but it's, it's increasing in tension and what's happening with, um, you know, our ovaries and the follicles when the egg is going to be released. It's a very similar process there's actually like a fluid buildup that is increasing tension and has to increase in order for this little burst to happen and for the egg to be released and um if you're a woman and you (laughs) you you've experienced what this tension of pms your body is working up to all of those hormones and all of that fluid shift that is happening in order for just that egg to be released and then once it's released you know once you know the blood starts flowing it's there is such a sense of like okay the you know it's i can rest now i'm going to stay in the same place um it's it's almost a very primitive uh i would say adaptive energy that swoops in when women when you know when we start our cycle because you know, the safest thing to do would be stay in the den and not leave a scent trail for predators to potentially find us, you know, just kind of um, barricade ourselves in there and get all kind of quiet and cozy and just kind of let that energy wane now after it's reached its climactic full moon, greatest uh, tension, you know, so that it can burst. And, And that is just part of the natural necessary process. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think I've even... I feel like I've even seen some cool art made around that connection too, to like the moons and then the, the luteal phases of the luteal phase. That's just one phase. There's just one luteal phase, but two, you know, (laughs) two women's cycles. So yeah, I love that. That's also a great connection, I think. And yeah, um, it also, I mean, it also, I feel one of the pieces of that, that I've been reading a little bit um, more about in one of the books, I can't remember if I mentioned it or not, but um, Shakti Rising, I believe is the name of it. And it was written in like the eighties, but there are some really great points in there. And one of them, one of the first chapters is all about like reclaiming the moon cycle. And anyway, like one of the, the lovely points is 
about how that time also used to be like very much not just staying in your cave alone, but being in a space with other women who were also experiencing the same cycle. And, you know, right. we've, we've experienced that. I know like when you live with someone or you're with another woman all the time and you both bleed, like you tend to start to adopt each other's like the same cycle. And I think mm-hmm. that that also means like that's a, a lowering of tension as well like you know right. we, won't vote, you, we won't be pmsing every other week at each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just the same week <laughs> yeah yeah and so that we'll sync up and be able to do it together and support each other with it and not Make be in the den alone yeah, yeah. Like some of the most <laughs> you know that phase when women are bleeding in different cultures over the years has definitely been considered like some of the most like potent time you know like um yeah, that and that the you know the blood and well whatever. I don't maybe we're, I'm getting way off. <laughs> I'm getting a little off track here, but it has been regarded as like especially like sacred and potent throughout history and it's kind of interesting to me that we've passed that and come to a phase where like a a woman, I think I don't remember when this happened again. It was in the book and I'd have to find it, but a woman painted made a painting and she used her own menstrual fluid and there it created this ridiculous like uproar like oh how horrifying and so disgusting right and uh, yeah (laughs) that kind of thinking just makes it like really drives home the point for me about how like oh we look back in history or we look at civilizations or cultures that you know still use these kind of ancient practices and somehow like we look down on them and you know describe them as like primitive but we use it with a you know like a tone as if it's a bad thing and then on the other hand like we have created this whole taboo around something that is completely like normal and you know kind of magical especially you know depending on what your goals were I remember getting my period frequently in my 20s and being like thank god (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's a celebratory time too um, yeah, you know, it yeah, can be. well, there's, yeah, shame or offend anyone who's trying to get pregnant. I don't mean to do that. But there were definitely those times where it was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, well, and to, you know, when we were, when you we were talking, it was, is, um, I found it interesting and really almost rather intuitive that, you know, this is, we're really diving deep into the feminine here because, you know, Pisces is considered such a feminine sign. And my mind started to, see that, um, you know, repression of such a natural body cycle Mm -hmm. as very much in tune with the, you know, the the repression of the feminine, you know, the goddess, the feminine, um, you know, literature. And um, now more and more as, you know, we're starting to see some of this balancing out, some of these stories that are coming back into, uh, you know, into circulation. um, Yeah there's so much potential and wisdom there that we are still, you know, that there's been missing from our culture. And so it's kind of, it seems like it, celebratory music driving by. Yeah. <laughs> but like it, That it would be a perfect little interlude for my feeling about this because if we think about just a disequitous culture, um, you know, having so much information about like the sacred feminine being oppressed, then it's no wonder that things like just a very simple, uh formula like um opposites and the and the the journey that they make to get to you know from one Mm -hmm. end to the other that this is so lost on us that some of these um you know even just right back to knowing the stars and the moon and their placement on you know in the sky as navigation that we are so far away Mm -hmm. as a people from being able to do that anymore so when i think about this information on the collective just let's just say the feminine as a huge blanket term but as we Mm -hmm. start to bring these stories back and we normalize talking about you know a a woman's cycle and how it connects with the moon there's so much wisdom that's going to start bubbling up yeah you know it is an exciting thing um so yeah (laughs) sometimes i just want to oh sorry yeah no, I, no, please moon, use. But like um, another thing that, you know, the author mentions in that book and I was, I was just, it just kind of hit me was how we are so connected to the whole cosmos in our body and in our, you know, like bio um, body rhythms and that we have really kind of lost those connections in, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. And right. Like, um, 
even, you know, even some theories about the, the lizard brain, you know, the limbic system and, oh, it's just, it's kind of a useless part of the brain, but actually like that's, that's probably the part of the brain that like tells us when transitions are happening and like is actually the storehouse for the, like when it's time to migrate instincts, right. That other animals have, like when it's time to go inward, when it's time to be more outward, that's, that is most likely kind of happening there, or at least that's some theory. I'm obviously not a neurologist, but (laughs) no, you know, I love that. Yeah, no. And I, I, I feel like that is a good opportunity just to um, discuss a little bit, uh, you know, what is an archetype? Because as you were talking about instincts and when animals know, uh, when is it time? When are they fertile? When is it time to start thinking about building your nest or storing food for the winter? Any of these things. And so Carl Jung was fascinated by the uh, question of what is the equivalent of human instincts? And so his suggestion was that archetypes, archetypes are the human equivalent. They're the equivalent of instincts which work on us in an emotional way so um and this is kind of one of those elusive conversations almost just like hatching the one that's like what is art it is such an ongoing huge discussion but one of the ways that you know archetypes you can think of them are symbols um and and it's so there might be, you know, just let's say as example, some really basic ones, the, the, the symbol of a woman holding a child, everyone recognizes that symbol yeah, as mother. a mother. Yeah. And yet, even though everyone would recognize this symbol, because the symbol is repeated in patterns again and again and again, everyone is going to have a different experience with, um, you know, has maybe had a different experience with their mother. Some people have amazing relationships with some people struggle with their moms. Some people have never met their moms. And so yeah. this is the emotional response that a person has to that symbol is, is the interaction, the interplay of getting the emotional trigger catalyst action mm. to, to move. And yeah. so, um, you know, you watch in a movie and, um, maybe, um, you know, at one time in my life when maybe, maybe I'm, I'm much older and my mom is, is ending the near of her, her, she's nearing the end of her life. Um, and I'm watching this movie with, um, maybe my daughter, let's say I don't have one, but this is a couple generations, uh, apart that we're watching this show. And I start to get very emotional because the symbol of seeing a mother with her child starts to make me think about and be reminded that I'm not going to have much time with my mom anymore. And so perhaps I start to feel very strongly at that moment about like, gosh, I really want to call my mom. Gosh, I, I really want to spend some time with her. But then perhaps my daughter who is sitting on the couch there and it's not, she doesn't have that active archetype. It's not active and working on her. So she does, she's like, why are you crying? She doesn't have the same emotional response to it. And that's how you know that the archetype isn't necessarily speaking to her at that time, but at some stage in her life, she probably will experience that emotional reaction to that symbol when it is cueing her to act in a certain way. So like when we look at like, ah, I'm getting excited again. I love this. I love how this comes back to the hero's journey because part (laughs) of the reason this archetype is repeated so often in culture, in, you know, um, movies and in mythology, just a really common pattern that repeats that we see with different variables is because it's it's this journey it's it's the um coming of age it's the finding your gifts it's finding um, your perhaps back. going yeah like finding yes your yeah back yeah to yourself or even like finding your way of you know kind of putting your energy out there and even stepping into archetypes which i feel like is kind of another you know, you're like, you're talking about the like receptivity, like the receiving the archetype. And I also think there's like an active piece of that where you can choose the archetype that seems like it's going to work its magic for you. So like, you can have the sweet nurturing mother archetype, but you might also need the like fierce love archetype, right? Um, The like the mom, the, you know, lioness, like pretend, like protecting her cubs, that might need to be you for yourself. And so you take on Mm -hmm. that archetype. Um, yeah. Right. And I right. and that and hero's it's, journey that, yeah, can be the like working your way up to really stepping up in that way for yourself too. So I think it can be receptive, right. but also active depending on how conscious you are of it really. Right. I mean, right. 
Right. Well, and so then that, that's a perfect lead into um, what Carl Jung would say, like, what is the point? What is the point <laughs> of any of this? Carl Jung believes that the point is to be able to balance the tension of our own opposites. He suggests that the, the psychoanalysis, the depth psychology, the self-examination is for the purpose of shining light on our shadow side and actually embracing that opposite is, which is contained within us. Mm. And so the work, you know, this implies that we all do have an opposite. We all have a shadow side. And um, if it is not something that we are able to see and own as part of self, it has more power of us over us. Mm -hmm. It's something that we can then reject and say, Oh, this isn't me. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I'm going to push it away in the dark and not, and, and just allow it to grow mold and maybe explode. But the, um, in the more individuated example the more that we shine the light on more of this shadow, the more we know ourselves and the more empowered we become. Mm -hmm. And the less of these triggers, the less of these, um, you know, archetypal, really powerful experiences. So having an emotional experience to an archetype doesn't always look like, you know, crying and missing your mom. I mean, it can also be really uh, feeling a strong repulsion towards a certain mm -hmm person or uh, a concept, a culture, an idea. And um, so again, it's an emotional response that gives us a clue to um, this part in our shadow that needs, that needs to shine some light on it. Yeah. So this hero's journey, that is what is so heroic about it. I mean, we know that, you know, shadow work, digging into your depths and owning this completely other side of yourself can be a really, really dark journey, journeying into the dark, mm -hmm. you know, straight up, mm -hmm. but it, it is so valuable. And, you know, I would like to point out in this moment here, just a teeny little snippet from my minor in psychology mm -hmm. here, soapbox, um, you know, <laughs> is that um, sometimes we feel like we are doing the work and it is just cursory and we're so close to it it's hard to tell if it's even worth anything. Is it mattering for anything? Is it even helping us with anything? And then you can find yourself in what is an archetypal situation, which is very charged and have more power over it than you would have before. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It just started for here. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, I don't know if you can hear that. Can you still hear me talking with the yeah. rain? Yeah. Okay. I can hear you. Right. Oh, that's great. I will. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, I always, I like to take these little, you know, and with that, it's, it's interesting to be, you know, I can get really lost in our conversation, but then it's interesting at which point in the conversation, something here uh, on a more physical plane starts to kind of like, you know, grab my attention back and, <laughs> and you know, and, and kind of be a part of the conversation. And so, yeah, it's, um, we're having these flash flood warnings wow. out here in Hawaii. And, um, I just, I also am a little bit amused because Pisces being water, a water sign. Yeah. So <laughs> like oh, more water <laughs> medicine for the islands. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. Yikes. Yeah, it is. It's a very, you know, just in the last couple of days, um, I've been traveling around to different parts of the island and uh, I was just kind of on the different side of one of these mountains and there was a thunder and lightning storm oh, and wow. I have never in my life heard thunder so loud yeah. or so close. And it was so powerful and clapping like deep in my rib cage and, and the lightning was just, it was so, it felt like it was so close, you know, mm -hmm. and, the, and the rain pouring so hard. I mean, this is, I'm starting to get to know the really stormy, powerful side of this island. Yeah. And um, it's exciting. It, it is bringing me back into this reevaluation re of a sense of place mm -hmm. and why I appreciate um, a certain amount of a good storm yeah. because I myself, I feel like, um, you know, I, I have to have a good storm from time to time. I have to have a good cry, a good rain from time to time. Mm -hmm. And um, so it, in some ways I feel like it's, you know, we go back to, um, you know, a, a sense of place and just bringing this all into, you know, how the earth energy really does um, manifest in like these clues, these cues, this whole culmination of what it is to, you know, be having a, a human experience yeah a spiritual experience in a human body yeah 
So, um, you know, as much as we are, you know, we, we talk about spirit and we talk about this medicine and, you know, um, we're still just humans. Sometimes a pipe is really just a pipe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well that, okay. So I don't know if this is quite the, the link, but that is, um, reminding me of the two kind of crazy healing experiences that I, or like health things that I've had happen during this Pisces season that were really like, to me, you know, demonstrative Virgo, the healer. Right. So I don't know, does it seem like a good time for that? Because they're kind of wild. Yes, yes. So yes, bring it. All right. So the first one um, was in the last week. And I can't remember exactly what day, but I woke up early in the morning. And one of my ears, my right ear was like clogged. It felt like I had been on a plane and it just hadn't cleared yet, which was strange, but I figured it would go away. And it didn't. Um, I took Sudafed a couple different times. I tried an ear candle. Um, I, you know, we talked and I did the like colloidal or not, I, not the colloidal, the other, the covalent silver and nothing happened. And finally I decided that, um, I would just open my records and ask what the message was for me with this ear thing. And I yeah. wrote it down, I don't have it in front of me right now, but it was basically along the lines of, pay more attention to what you're listening to and what you're not listening to. And I kind of had already, you know, like intuitively figured it was something like that. I think we even, I even joked with you about that when I was like, I can't really hear out of this one ear, but it's probably about like, what am I listening to? Bah, ha, 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 you know? And then I got that message in, in my records. And then I woke up the next morning and I was fine. Like it just, it went away. Like I just needed to listen to the message um, which kind of wild, right? Like sometimes it's just your body, but also sometimes there's a message there. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, I mean, that is, this is one of my, you know, all time favorite discussions. And, you know, when we were talking about this the other day, I remember, you know, I was like, well, wait a minute, which ear was it? You said it was your right ear that closed up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, traditionally the right side is associated with masculine action oriented, um, more aggressive, and the left side is associated with feminine, receptive, gentle. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were discussing the possibility of, you know, the difference between something that you may be hearing, but not actively actually listening to, you know, because why does one ear go and not both of them? Or why is it the right and not the left? Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, reading the body as a map, and then, you know, it. I mean, after we talked about that, I, I felt like, you know, and just hearing this now, I'm not at all surprised to hear that it cleared up once the energetic message and information sunk in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. So wild. <laughs> yeah. So wild. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. And the second one, I will try to make this short, but it just happened like today, this morning. So like I said, we were camping and we were in this beautiful place out in um it's only a few hours away but it's kind of eat like northeastern uh, oregon and it's along the deschutes and you know there's great fishing there were goats we saw across the river oh. like up in the mountain there were bunny rabbits and you know tons of birds and like all of the all of the nature that you don't see when you live in a city very often so yeah lovely lovely uh i got really i got really annoyed with my husband last night and he's just like super annoyed and like, "Ah!" and I woke up this morning and I had this incredibly sharp pain, like in my abdomen on the right side, basically where I imagine, you know, that my ovaries are right. And it was, Oh my God, I like definitely an eight or nine on the excruciating level. I don't know that I've had anything hurt that bad since I had surgery and like I got up to, you know, go use the restroom and it like, it was so bad that I thought I was going to pass out in that <laughs> kind of thanks BLM for trying to clean your bathrooms, but you failed with this one. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, was, it was not pleasant. And I was like, no, I can't. No, I can't. I got feverish and it was fucking freezing outside. Um, it was bad. So I, I got my way back to the campsite. I managed to say to Shane, like, this really, really hurts. I don't know what it is. I'm going to lay down. And he was like, uh, okay. Uh, you know, like trying, trying to help. I think he got me, um, some ibuprofen, but I just laid, 
I laid in bed and I put my hands like where it hurt and tried to do like front and back kind of what little I know of polarity therapy, but I really was mostly just internalizing what I had just read literally like the day before about uh, using like pulling in elements uh, like fire and wind and water to, to heal and asking them to transmute energy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm taking the, the like certification course so that I can officially, you know, call myself an energy worker, which would be awesome. And one of the main uh-huh. points is like everything is energy and like it's your energy that generates your physical body. And yeah, I swear, I swear, like, I mean, it's, it's, I can't, I haven't felt it really like irritate me since I just, I needed to ask, like, I, I asked for the elements to come in and like clear and transmute my pain and it worked. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. Obviously I had well, some ibuprofen you know, too. So I guess you could be like, it was ibuprofen, <laughs> but I don't think so. But we have, you know, and we know, I think we've even brought this up before, but we also know that there is an entire study, there's an entire branch of science that has studied, you know, what they call the placebo effect, which is basically, I just think a crappy name, not giving enough power, again, taking away and separating and minimizing the power of the healing power that we have of of, intention Mm -hmm. and just really, you know, being connected to our bodies. Yeah. And, um, So yeah, I I love that. And I have so many experiences with that, as you know, over the years. Um, And again, sort of like, you know, I I know that you were, we were um, the subject of Chiron has come up a few times. And, you know, the wounded healer through um, being wounded, Chiron learns how to actually heal his wounds. You know, he learns uh, perhaps the power of uh, meditation and, and working with herbs and um, just intentional mindfulness and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And he also learns just how terrible it is to be wounded. So he has, it, it, it increases his compassion. Yes. And so, yes. you know, through that is basically part of his, his gift and his medicine and his healing. And I, I was at a point where I felt like I had had so many of these experiences with Chiron just injuring me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I really started to feel like I was, I was taking it personal, you know, if you perhaps this, and this is one of the things that I think a lot of us dabble with if you're spiritual and you're you know connected with spirit you're probably in constant communication being like hey what's up with this what's going on with that why are you doing me like this <laughs> and um you know i mean i think that's part of what chiron chiron teaches us is making the medicine from our wounds yeah and um that is the truest alchemy in my opinion the truest yeah. alchemy is to yeah. be able to make medicine from any kind of poison that you're experiencing yeah so I love that. But anyway, I, I know maybe those don't to the outside observer, those might be two totally unrelated stories, but I'm still going with the fact that they both involved healing, which is very much a Virgo energy as you know, we were going through Pisces season. And I know we're about at the Pisces new moon and Pisces is also honestly very much a healing sign. It would probably be the sign that I would imagine is most connected in some ways to like energy work because it would so you know like a Pisces I could just see having having such respect for that oh good okay you would you went swimming down in your depths and like swam around in all that mystical woo and figured out what was going to work sweet as opposed to Virgo which would be like okay tell me a little more I'm intrigued but I'm just going to give you the shot just to make sure that you don't you know like don't (laughs) get an infection yeah (laughs) right yeah that's funny yeah because they're not and then then when you look at their opposites right Mm -hmm. so sometimes I mean I just think that's part of the the human nature using duality in order to understand both sides a little bit more like when one thing is being compared to its opposite sometimes it's very illuminating Mm -hmm. and um you know I like that um you know we Shannon and I had been discussing uh, the usefulness of really taking a lot more time in our podcast to discuss the opposites of between the signs. Um, for myself, I still have a lot to learn about that, but I will also say that my sun sign is Capricorn, which happens to be the opposite of my moon sign, which is cancer. Mm -hmm. And so for my life, as long as I can remember that both of these uh, signs were at work in my chart, I've felt 
the conflict of opposites, the mm-hmm. tension of opposites mm-hmm. that oftentimes my experiences that my head and my heart are at odds with one another and um, trying to reconcile the, you know, the outward final decision. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've been really excited to, you know, not just hear a little bit more about just the energies between the opposites of these different like signs, but um, uh, I was, there's, I've attracted a large group of women that are leaning against my car. See, Pisces, this is so funny. <laughs> Such a feminine <laughs> side. It's like a school of fish surrounding my car right now. Oh, wow. Okay. They're just yes. having a party. <laughs> yeah, they're just chatting it up, you know, whatever. My car is probably the most comfortable thing to lean on. That's cool. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, uh, yeah, I've often said that about you. You have, you have a very leanable car. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, um, you know, the the tension of the opposites, you know, I often do find that, um, you know, there's the different, the, the nature of, you know, that my head Capricorn, just like very ambitious, like my mind is on my money and my money is on my mind. And I'm trying Mm -hmm. to climb that mountain and I want strategy and I want pace Mm -hmm. and ambition. And then my moon sign, which is cancer is like, but, but we'll be so much comfortable if we stay home. Oh, what if I get uncomfortable? What if I get cold? What if someone hurts my feelings and I cry? (laughs) What if they Um, don't like me? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And there's constant. Yeah. Right. Oh, I know you do. And I mean, it's, I mean, how do we, I'm, so I'm, you know, I'm 41 years old. I spent a lifetime on this. Um, so I'm going to be excited to hear about, um, you know, dive deeper into the subject of what it is to be learning about, um, you know, how to balance the tension of our opposites. And constantly, if I'm going to be, you know, knowing and aware that um, my mind is going to be driving me in this certain way, and my feelings are going to be motivating in, in another way. I even had um, once upon a time astrologer tell me, and I thought this was one of the most beautiful things to um, discuss about the tension of opposites or the, you know, the power of opposites, if you will, um, mm-hmm. that the, the intuition from my cancer moon sign is very, very strong, but Capricorn sun, Capricorn mind is very uh, practical. And so it is always going to step in with the practicality and make sure that the cancer intuition doesn't get just like too far out. And so I was told that I could sink into trusting my intuition a lot more knowing that, you know, and trusting that my mind is, is the balance and check. It's, you know, it's going to make room for the intuition, but it's not going to let it get too far away or get lost and not be able to find its way back. Mm -hmm. And that is, I would say one of the best pieces of advice or, um, suggestions for how to run my energy and just trust that, you know, being born with opposites like that in my chart and it's such prominent roles Mm -hmm. which felt like punishment for a long time (laughs) now became a really empowering kind of like ally feeling like Mm -hmm. ally to my intuition was Mm -hmm. this practical nanny goat capricorn right it's like hey now (laughs) (laughs) you know slow it down yeah i sound like willow (laughs) anyways you know what i'm saying uh yeah shannon and i were just talking about this feeling dreamy and a little bit spacey and out there (laughs) and here we are it's fine we're just we're swimming around and there's all kinds of stuff that you'll find when you're swimming in the ocean (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah some of it is like obscure like 90s movie references (laughs) yeah I love it. Yeah, um, I, but, but I do think that you're pick, like you're you're like touching on or like well thoroughly covering, not even just touching on the the thing that connects what we were saying about the embracing the shadow with you know embracing the opposite. It's very much the same kind of idea. I'm sure to Capricorn to the Capricorn in you that Cancer is the like oh God. Oh, like I just I hate her. She's so emotional. And it's getting yeah. that Capricorn to the place where it's like, okay, well, she does have really good ideas. And when I'm upset, she's really good at soothing me and momming me. Yes. So okay. And yes. you know, cancer could have the same complaints. Like 
you know, so callous and like just only focused on doing. And I just, I want to take a bath, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, so it's really about like bringing those two into a place where, Hey, where they make like great roommates where they are each other's best friend. And I do think that that, yes. although that sounds a little cheesy, I do think that that works for kind of the goals when, you know, you become, you become more aware of this and you start to become more aware of your own shadow and making that girl like your buddy, like, Hey, come over here. Like you may be kind of snaggle toothed and maybe you walk funny and you're mean <laughs> to me sometimes, but I think we can be friends and, you know, like make that work. <laughs> That's so I just love you for that. Yeah, you know, just that was all just of me it. describing just... my <laughs> shadow, just to be clear. <laughs> oh, I love your shadow. Oh, your snaggle tooth shadow, my yeah. snaggle tooth shadow. But you know what? You know what was funny? What I was thinking, um, interesting, like when we were talking about some of this, this Pisces energy that was coming to mind. Um, I was uh, hanging out with a group of guys the other day. And um, so, and I didn't, there's nothing, no talk of astrology, nothing woo. Yeah. It's like mostly yeah. them controlling the conversation. And wouldn't you know, all of a sudden the subject of dreams starts to, to come up. Right. Oh. And I'm just so amused because it's like another one of these, like, you don't even have to know, you don't have to believe in astrology. You don't even have to know what the sun is doing right now in order to be feeling these influences. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things that was discussed because it was one of those discussions about like, well, what are your dreams? Like, well, what do you think dreams are about? And so it was just really interesting because it was kind of an all different group of ages of guys and just kind of getting to sit in and be like, um, you know, what are their experiences and what are, what are dreams meaning to them? And um, the subject of how we communicate in dreams came up and it was a lot of us were agreeing. We were all sitting there agreeing on how, Oftentimes we'll be um, in a dream and see someone that maybe we recognize and we're communicating, but we're not really talking. Like we know what's being said, but it's not the same sort of like, oh, she said these words and it came out of her mouth. Like maybe the actual dream sequences that you're just sitting there staring at each other, but you knew what was being said. Mm. And um, I found it really fascinating that just this experience so just a really kind of candid experience of like yeah what are dreams what is this phenomenon that happens to all the people um and i and dogs too i guess cats seem to dream also you know oh, yes but um <laughs> i can speak to that <laughs> yeah and you know what it felt like when a lot of people were you know they were testing that like this was a form of communication that seemed really familiar to them that this was like oh yeah this happens to me too this happens to me too and i thought that that was almost kind of honing in on sort of like the nature of intuitive communication, you know, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. right. Yeah. Just that like that. Um, and that is so Pisces. Like when we talk about intuition, um, you know, there's actually kind of different forms of it, you know, that people right. will be clear audio, clairvoyant, um, Claire's, you know, and, and just different ways. There's the clairs. Yeah. There's also the, like the, you know, I fall into a place somewhere in between this discussion of whether it's like, you're just one Claire, you're not, or you're kind of a combination or it changes. And I just, right. I feel like for right. me, it kind of did like the moon, it waxes and wanes. It just kind of depends, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, okay, now I'm going to go a little, uh, this is a little silly, but I'm bringing it in. I <laughs> love that show from what is it the 90s charmed and it was like about you know the witches the and you could watch that yes yes yeah and you could just kind of watch it for the entertainment of it but there's you know me with having a minor in psychology and always on the lookout for archetypes and symbols mm -hmm. um i i just got so much out of that show when the sisters are talking about their different quote unquote powers because oftentimes i felt like they were describing just like what you were saying, the different types of intuition or the ways that this information was coming to them. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a silly, fun show sometimes, mm -hmm. um, just kind of enjoyable, but it's, it's, it's um, compelling to me to think about where the writing is coming from and think about just, is it so far-fetched to imagine that this is one form of communicating to the world that, hey, I got this thing called, I think it's intuition and this is how it's working. And, and how do I talk to the world about it? Like, do I just get out there and get on a soapbox or do I actually try to put it in some sort of like a little bit mythology, but a little bit like, you know, there's like 
young and they're kind of like spunky and fun and and so it's more like human relatable Mm -hmm. and so um I look for more like I look for shows like that because I I can't help but look at like the possibility of just like right now as I'm referencing this show it's sort of like a download so that I say hey you know that show charmed and then if you've seen it you are able to reference you're able to be on the same page as like all of that ground that we just covered right you know right and so I feel like those are tools in our culture that um back to archetypes like that's what a lot of the stories that are out there in movies um they are these archetypal journeys. And so another way of communicating, sort of like when, when Shannon and I, I think when we were one of our other um, podcasts, we were talking about Pisces and like, bloop, bloop, we can't, we're really a little awkward today. <laughs> we're bubbling at each other. We don't speak fish. This is a little like holding my breath and trying to bubble or like lip sync something to you underwater. And both of us felt a little disjunct. But that is kind of, I feel like, part of the energy that we just acknowledge of Pisces yeah, and that it's, it's almost like so spiritual and far out there that there is a little bit of one fish is swimming towards you and one fish is swimming away. Yeah. So what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It can be a little confusing with the communication Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, I think that that's part of like coming deep into the intuition. And, um, you know, when we were talking about the discussion of the birth order, of or not the birth order but just the um the uh, incarnating into the different signs oh, as right. we're learning each lesson right, and yeah. i don't know the aging or however you would describe it maybe birth order but if pisces is one of the oldest signs um it's kind of not surprising to me that intuition would be right. one of the most powerful uh signs or uh phenomenon that's associated with it Mm -hmm. because you know the more you get to know yourself and you're picking up on these rhythms and you know the more sensitive you are to this I really believe that's where it starts to go like um you know when you were talking about injuries I mean I've had I've had a traumatic brain injury and um at that time when my brain was injured to the point that it was very hard to learn it was hard to um follow along it was hard to think and I am someone that has been I'm I consider myself pretty smart I consider myself at home and agile in my mind and that was suddenly I was kicked out and being able to navigate the world I had to lean on my intuition I had to strengthen that and um, that's just one example but again making an example of um, or making medicine out of something that was really really you know yeah painful yeah. a struggle in my life my intuition is still you know which is that it's it's with me still it's mm-hmm. something that I strengthened during that time and it still serves me and so you know I think that's one of the the rewards of doing this work you know there's that moment when you're like Whoo, like near miss geez if I didn't <laughs> listen to that or if I didn't go back into the house and go get that thing right if I didn't turn the car around or whatever then you know if I didn't listen to my intuition, this is this near miss, like this could have happened. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. And just um, moments of perfect synchronicity. Like that's, you know, yes. I always feel like those are other little kind of hits or clues that, Hey, you're on the right track or, uh, you know, the, the beautiful thing that you just see unexpectedly, like you happen to, you know, be, be outside and you look up and there's like 10 stars and you look down and look back up again and 10 minutes and there's a thousand. (laughs) Yeah. Just appreciating the awe, I think in the universe and that again, very Pisces. And I, I think, I think like looking at the astrology wheel as a kind of hero's journey does make sense or even just a life cycle like the you know um the images that you'll see sometimes associated with eastern traditions where there's there's like a helix and there's a mother giving birth to a baby that grows up into manhood and then gets very very old and then there's like the death figure but then the baby comes back around and you know the and so in that sense like pisces to me is very much like kind of the, the old man or old woman like on your block who's a little bit weird but you know like knows a lot 
and like everyone like the people go to him or her when they need like they need help and nobody else can help them right or the kind of like that maybe you know could seem scary but is is sweet person who can just like look at you and be like you're the kid that stole Halloween candy from this other little kid on your block and you are just like oh how did you know (laughs) and then and then the next incarnation the one we're coming up to Aries is like the baby that's like I'm gonna do this (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I want to (laughs) but you know I I think we should save the Aries we should save the Aries Libra for another for another time when closer to Aries season, maybe when when I'm you know when we're both less uh, less Pisces space. <laughs> right, I know it's going to be quite the the shift. I, I definitely the first time I remember that sinking in with <laughs> Aries and being you know the sun being in Aries was um, it suddenly felt like so much frustration <laughs> and I felt like I had a short attention span mm-hmm. and I was just for a minute there it was I was like what is going on with me and I think you were the one that told me you know well the sun is in Aries and so that usually the sun representing like where our mind is at um so for about a month there it's uh it's gonna be fire sign Aries like the 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 spark that starts the fire mm-hmm. the leap before you look the, like <laughs> fuck it the, and in fact even in like even in in um tarot you know with Aries being the zero yeah. it's almost like you know and they call him like he's associated with the fool and uh, that could be just so misunderstood and um misinterpreted because what you have to um recognize in the beauty in the importance of a, of a beginning mm-hmm. is it's just fuck the fear of starting right. you have to yeah. jump you gotta yeah. you gotta pop off you gotta take a spark you gotta follow your curiosity ignite. without without worrying yes. about where it might lead you yeah right and the zero instead of this other you know cultural like oh it's nothing it's empty the um the other implication is that it's this round egg. space <laughs> Yes. And it's, it's, it's ready for all of the potential. It's just a seed and it's, it's ready to start. And um, that is one thing that, you know, I do love about that time is just, um, you just can't get an Aries down. (laughs) You know, they're like, they are like that spark, like shooting out of that fire. And um, so, yeah, it's going to be, I'm excited for us to talk a little bit about hopefully in advance so that we can prepare for this for me. I need a little, uh, I need yeah. a little bit of a warm up. Well, you know, it's that. Aries. So the other argument would be like, let's just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, what will we decide <laughs> listeners? Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> yes. Oh. And until next time, stay wild.